so far what the system has thrown at us is has not been uh, supported by the data. The level of hysteria is totally out of line uh, with the actions that have been taken. And a lot of the, um, you know, that caught everybody off guard. And a lot of the discomfort comes from not knowing what to do about it. And so ultimately what Make Americans Free Again really is about is power in numbers. So it's about us coming together pulling our creative energy, lifting each other up, creating a support system to actually create, you know, strategy in order to um, to create a par parallel society where we can actually function in the face of this medical tyranny. With the global economy being in shambles and central bankers moving towards a reset, it's never been a better time to protect your wealth by owning precious metals. Contact Andy at milesfranklin.com. Tell him Sarah sent you. He promised me he will guarantee you the lowest price anywhere in the country. Remember, email Andy at milesfranklin.com and tell him Sarah sent you. It's never been a better time to protect your future than now. Welcome to Business Game Changers. I'm Sarah Westall. I have a whole panel of people. I'm going to have six of us on a panel. We're going to talk about Make Americans Free Again. It's a nonpartisan group that has, they have people from all political sides of the aisle and they're focusing on the tyranny that we have been experiencing over the last few years. And how do we turn that around and keep that from happening again? Their goal is to get to at least 80 million Americans part of this group. And maybe a people in other countries can also form their own groups and learn how to make their countries free again. But this is uh, such a great movement. I had Pam Popper on last week. I believe every, maybe it was two weeks now. God, time is flying really fast. But she was on and she's the one that really kicked this off and got Tom Rents involved. And now they're all kind of, and there's, I think they have something like 45,000 members right now and they're growing very quickly. And so we have people who are a different members of this group and they've, they've been instrumental in helping to get it going. And we're going to talk about the academy, the learning academy that they have, because part of this group is to actually is to also educate people on what's really going on in the country, you know, from the money, from the legal, from uh, all different aspects of the medical. So they want people from all different uh, industries that understand the basics of what is going on and also historically what is going on so that we can bring everybody in this country or as many people who are seeing this in this country together to keep this from ever happening again, turn this around and move towards freedom going into the future and recapture our country. Because obviously we are in a different position now than we were even few years ago and let's get back it's a wake it's a wake up call of how far we've come or how far we've gone down this road of tyranny so i i have uh, six people it's this is a quite a long show and it's really great and we have a lot of information to share with people and before we get started i want to say that the link below on how you can form your own group and also get connected into all these other groups and to the educational academy the links will be below and uh, before we get into that, also go to my website, sarahwestall.com, sign up for my newsletter. Please support my lawsuit or our lawsuit. It's a group of journalists. It's 
we're, we're fighting against Google. It's Google versus the people. And we're fighting for you. We're not going to get anything out of this personal thing other than maybe getting our freedom back and, and opening up freedom for everyone else. And so it's really, we're fighting for the American people. And so it's so important that we continue this lawsuit and we still need some more money. Uh, so it's give, send, go, defending free speech. And, uh, let's get into this really informative panel discussion with Make Americans Free Again. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the program. Hello. Hello. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Aloha. Sarah. <laughs> so we have a lot of you on this panel. And so we're going to try to bring as much information as we possibly can in the time that we have. But before we get started, I want to go around and everybody just say who they are and maybe do a, do a one sentence about yourself, and then we'll get into questions. Lavana, do you want to start? Sure, I'd love to. Thank you for having me, Sarah. Glad to be here. Um, so my name is Lavana Loma. I'm out in Hawaii. And about three years ago, when this whole COVID insanity began, um, I was just a hairstylist who became full-time activist because I saw the injustice. And so I created a nonprofit called For Our Rights, and that actually eventually led to me um, discovering Pam, Pop Pam Popper and Make Americans Free Again. So then uh, we hooked up and I came under the umbrella of Make Americans Free Again as the Hawaii State Chapter Leader. So I'm looking forward to talking more about that with you and everyone on this panel. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. Who wants to go next? Chris, maybe? Sure. My name is Chris Cogswell. And uh, along with Mike, I'm a partner in F3 Advisors. Uh, I'm, I'm a financial advisor. I've been professionally in uh, the finance space since 1994, where I started in Asia and Hong Kong and China. So I have uh, a pretty long experience and track record with China. And that's a, a good reason I'm involved with you know, where we are now with Make Americans Free Again, because I kind of get that whole uh, geopolitical dynamic, economic dynamic, and all those sorts of things. Uh, so again, that's why I'm, I'm uh, hooked up here with uh, this panel. That's excellent. Okay. And then uh, do you want to go next, Richard? Richard, should we call you uh, Richard? Yeah. Or do you have another name you'd like to go by? I usually go by Rick. Okay. Hi, Sarah. Rick. Uh, I'm a, actually a professional pilot. Uh, graduated engineering in Ohio uh, in uh, uh, physics with a mechanical engineering background, self-taught in electronics. But more importantly, I met Chris and Mike because of my 25-year uh, passion of learning privately myself uh, economics and uh, balancing, uh, you know, accounts. So I'm on my own accountant, my own tax advisor. I've studied the problem of money probably for the better part of 20 years. And so when Pam Popper at uh, Make Americans Free Again decided that she wanted to do something more than just stand in front of a class and talk about the problems of this whole COVID thing, she came up with the idea of this food, finance, and freedom. Uh, that's where Mike and I kind of stepped forward. Chris also got involved. And I said, well, listen, I'm not a professional finance guy. <laughs> I hold no licenses. I can kind of say whatever needs to be said, whereas sometimes the finance guys can't. So that that is kind of why I'm in the group for the finance stuff is I can basically say whatever I need to say. Well, so. and I think it's also interesting with your pilot's background, because I do want to ask you some questions about pilots um, and what's going on there. But Mike, do you want to finish off? 
Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm Mike Sullivan and uh, I'm an advisor since 1987. So Chris and I are partners and we're in the business of growing and protecting assets and so on. And, and uh, during COVID, like everybody here, you know, I had some family members that were affected in healthcare and in education. And uh, Chris and I chase data. So, uh, you know, we, we have to vet data. And a lot of the data that was coming across our desk uh, didn't even come close to matching the level of hysteria and uh, yeah. some of the coercive tactics. So um, I, I was listening to a podcast and there was Pam Popper and she was in central Ohio. And and so I, I said, I'm going to check this out. And and so I popped in there, uh, no pun intended. And and I had uh, Patrick Malden with us, who's a colleague of Chris and mine. And uh, we have a lot of guys that that are uh, like-minded and uh, what we saw happen to people with the mandates and the lockdowns and and really uh, money used as a weapon against them was was pretty disturbing. So so we decided, hey, I, I think we can help with that. And uh, so, you know, we joined forces here with Rick and Chris and I, and we're off and running in the academy and making new friends like Levana and Colleen and all kinds of people. <clears throat> Well, let's talk about what this academy is, because I think that's the crux. And Mike, thank you so much for putting this together, introducing me to all these people, because I know you're a big catalyst of everything that we have that I've done with Make Americans Great Again. Also, Tom Rents introduced me to Pam Popper as well, but you, she's just a dynamo. I mean, I just, I am so impressed with everybody I've met so far. And Mike, we had a long conversation. I was very impressed with, with, with what you were telling me. But Lavana, you've kind of been uh, nominated as to go first here because you set up a group just, you know, one of these academies in Hawaii mm -hmm. and you're the state rep for, if that's the right word, I don't know, for Hawaii. Can you talk about what an academy is and why, you know, how does it help and what are you doing? Yeah, absolutely. So here's what's so important is, um, and I'm, I'm sure you've all heard Pam say it so many times when when they first shut us down, you know, they wanted us to keep our distance from one another and, you know, cover our faces with masks and just basically, you know, remove all humanity. And so ultimately what Make Americans Free Again really is about is power in numbers. So it's about us coming together, pulling our creative energy, lifting each other up, creating a support system to actually create, you know, strategy in order to um, to create a par parallel society where we can actually function in the face of this medical tyranny. And so by getting people together, you know, we've been able to, um, you know, find a way to challenge a lot of the stuff that they've done. And we've definitely been successful. I mean, not just in, you know, filing lawsuits, which is a huge part of what we do is like to say, you know, we're going to all pitch in five bucks. And if we have enough people, we can, you know, we can bring the money in to, to, to get these lawsuits filed and, um, you know, put a stop to this, but also just really getting enough people on board to speak out and, um, you know, tell their child's school, we're not going to, you know, you're not going to force a mask on my child. You have no legal, uh, lawful authority to do this. And, um, you know, so challenging it in that sense. And so what we, what I did in, in Hawaii, you know, I created this um, nonprofit organization with a small handful of people. And from there, it just kept growing and growing. And, um, and we would meet regularly. And, you know, in the beginning, we were a little bit kind of frantic and into the signing petitions and, you know, calling our legislators and trying to get them, you know, to stop doing what they're doing. And, and I knew that we needed to be a little bit more strategic. And so when I came across Pam and how she was doing things, you know, and we realized, 
it really is more like, you know, we have to take this from a business standpoint of like, you know, how do we, how do we really tackle this without just running around wild? And so, um, so I started, yeah. So I started working on really trying to unify people and me and Pam were so aligned in our thinking that, you know, we totally hit it off. I asked her to be on my YouTube channel that I used to have, which unfortunately got, got scrubbed from the internet thanks to big tech censorship. And they've just, they do not want my voice on the internet. So I'm probably one of the most censored people I know besides maybe you and, you know, there's, there's definitely quite a few, but um, yeah. So, um, so she, you know, she came and did a wonderful interview and we just totally hit it off. And I was like, I've got to work with this woman because She's smart. And, you know, this is like she's really getting organized. And it's been amazing what we've been able to accomplish, just bringing a lot of these little groups of people that are kind of just grassroots wanting to do something, but they don't really have any direction. So with Make Americans Free Again as the Hawaii chapter, you know, I've been able to bring these people together. And um, when we have that many names of people, you know, that, that many bodies and, and commitment to like, you know, doing something to change this. When we work together, that's that's where the effect happens. You know, we were finally able to get them to stop the masking of the kids because we had enough people in our network to put them on notice that they are violating the law. They didn't follow any proper rulemaking you know, procedure according to our statutes and that we're going to bring a lawsuit if they don't. And so ahead of that, they did finally stop the mask mandate. And um, that's the kind of stuff, you know, that is effective when people come together and, you know, get to know their neighbors and work together. So that's really what Make Americans Free Again is all about. And then now we've taken it to this new level where we have education. And that's where, you know, Mike and some of these other great people on the team, you know, come in where we want to teach people, you know, like we're in a bad situation. But so how do we fix it? We start by educating each other, you know, so. With that, I'll, I'll, I'll let maybe Mike might want to jump in on there with the Amafa Academy. Yeah, and I want to talk about that, but I noticed that Hawaii, I did some, mm-hmm. a show on Hawaii. Hawaii was one of the hardest hit with tyranny in our country. It's smaller, so it didn't get the attention that San Francisco or California got, but you were really uh, held down for a long time, and those restrictions probably were the worst in the country, and you couldn't fly in and out of Hawaii it was really pretty bad. But uh, I also want to say, you know, Mm -hmm. what I've learned is that this is a nonpartisan organization. There are many Democrats that are joining as well. This isn't a Republican group. This is a nonpartisan, you know, people from all walks of life are coming and joining this. Is that, isn't that correct? That is absolutely correct. And that's what we're trying to promote is we want to get rid of those harsh lines between the left and the right. And I just want to jump in there really quick about the um, travel restrictions, because that is another um, big part of my story is that I actually was so upset about the fact that as a healthy American, they're trying to tell me that I can't just freely travel. And so I stood up to that and I was the first person in Hawaii to do that. Um, Taking my knowledge, you know, having built this nonprofit where we're all about you know, constitutional rights and trying to help educate people about their rights and stand on those rights. So I actually traveled myself to a rally to speak on, you know, the the, the freedom, freedom movement in general. And um, upon my return, I was, you know, they were trying to force me to sign their, their paperwork to quarantine at the airport in Kauai, particularly where I live, this island in particular, so 
amazing. I mean, we had National Guard, armed National Guard at the airport to try to enforce this quarantine, but it was probably one of the scariest things I've ever done, but I was prepared to serve like a notice of, you know, notice of liability, like I'm going to sue you because you're actually the one violating my rights. And so the officer let me out of the airport past all the National Guard um, without signing any agreement to quarantine. And so um, I sparked something because I, I actually had gotten it on video and, and a lot of people saw that and a lot of people started doing the same thing. The police came and arrested me actually after the fact, you know, for, for violating the quarantine. And so I'm actually currently in uh, a defense mode with um, criminal charges against me now for, for attempting to act as a healthy American with constitutional rights and you know, and this is, you know, based on this idea that asymptomatic spread, you know, that I'm some kind of danger to people, even though I'm perfectly healthy because I was refusing to get tested. Um, and so therefore I would have been forced to quarantine if I didn't get a test. And so um, fortunately, though, because I'm connected with Pam Popper and Make Americans Free Again, Thomas Renz, who I know just was on your show, he, he is on my criminal case as co-counsel. And so we're ready to really, you know, rock this one and, and, you know, just say, hey, you guys can't just do this to healthy Americans that, you know, have rights, especially in hindsight, when we know that even the CDC is back backpedaling on everything. That's and we right. know that, you know, the asymptomatic carrier thing was was never, you it know, was all bogus. Yeah, yep. it was mm-hmm. BS. So, OK, so this is great. And it's mm-hmm. not even though people are like, well, why do you guys care now? COVID's behind us. Well, COVID isn't behind us. And if we don't take care of this, it's really, it's going to rear its ugly head again. And we really need, they have a lot more planned. And I can tell you there's a lot more planned because I talk to people on a continuous basis. So Mike, can you take it from there on what these assemblies are doing from an education, the academy part of it? Yeah, yeah, they're they're doing everything, Sarah, and uh, it's very community based, as you indicated. It's not ideological at all. Um, we have a lot of healthcare workers, right? And uh, a lot of healthcare workers are they're nurturers. They're ideologically they probably lean left more than right, uh, but they were just hit in the face with the skillet, as we say, and and uh, medical tyranny, right? So we we have all kinds of people coming in uh, that are just saying, hey, you know what? We we want we want the truth. We want the the media to tell the truth. We want the data to be vetted and we want it to be accurate, accurate and not monkeyed with and things like that. And um, we, we want to be able to to navigate whatever the system throws at us. And so so far, what the system has thrown at us is has not been uh, supported by the data. The level of hysteria is totally out of line. Uh, with the actions that have been taken. And a lot of the, um, you know, that caught everybody off guard. And a lot of the discomfort comes from not knowing what to do about it. It's sudden, it surprised you and, and all along those lines. And so the academy is just an educational effort. And so Rick and myself and Chris are working on finance and money. And we've started with with the history of money. We've said, this, you know, it's been around a long time. So you, you ought to know how it works. You ought to know how the chapters play out across generations and across countries, and then figure out what to do for yourself and your family. And, and we do two nights a month. So uh, that's a tall order for two nights a month, but uh, we're, we're moving as swiftly as we can. And in between us are legal updates. And, and last night we had an attorney, Pete Serrano was on. That's one of Tom's colleague and colleagues. And, and he's out of Washington state. 
and he spent a good hour talking to people and on the call were nurses and you know other people that were losing their jobs. Um, and we've had had uh, people, Shannon from Colorado, told people how to prepare food, how to grow food, store food, uh, things along those lines. And, and so you're, you're just educating people with how you can navigate through if this nonsense ratchets up again. Mm -hmm. And in the process, what's happening is the misinformation that's coming out over the television. Well, all of the people on this television have been holding pretty firm with you know what, what we thought the reality was. And the, the misinformation that was coming out is just all being walked back. Well, in the meantime, we're all fortifying. And, and the efforts that go on in these rooms is, is, is just so inspiring. And we have people uh, in, in Ohio and I know across the country that are running community gardens. And we have uh, relationships with CSAs, the Community Supported Agriculture, where we can step in and get our, our groceries every week, fresh produce delivered. And, and that helps the community farms and it helps us. And so, you know, again, we all kind of got hit in the face with the skillet. And, and so the academy is about education and camaraderie and fortification. And, you know, Chris and Rick are fantastic help. And I know notice Maureen's joined us here too. Yes, I have. Hi, everybody. Hi, Maureen. Me? Hi, Maureen. Yeah, we can. Do you have a, a video by chance? Yeah, I'm trying to get that working. I'm not sure what the issue is. So okay. uh, here we go. We'll be patient. I got it. Sorry. Okay. Just lower it a little bit. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So I want to talk about more of these con concepts. The, the finance is a big thing. So even if COVID, even if we don't have another medical tyranny to the level that we do, we have this great reset coming. The, the monetary system is changing out. They want to put a worldwide digital currency. We have China. We know that they're there are, you know, an East versus a Western system. We have, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of uh, communist leanings going on. There's, there's all sorts of tyranny going on that we are dealing with and that people are seeing their freedoms being stripped away while the media is lying about what's going on. And it's horrifying to all of us. So can we talk a little bit about China and finance? Because Chris, you were saying that you, you have quite a bit of experience on that side of the house. Why is it so important that we understand the financial part and particularly how China ties into this? Well, that's a pretty big question. Um, I think the at a very simplistic level, you look at how China is tied with the United States economically, tied with the rest of the world. You know, it's become the world's manufacturing uh, facility for the last 30 years. Uh, Europe is heavily reliant on it. So the U.S. oftentimes finds itself at odds with Europe about how to address China because they get so much of their goods from there as well. So, you know, because of this, you know, the intermingling of, of China economically with the rest of the world, it's become a big issue because at some point, uh, Martin Lee, the great uh, uh, Hong Kong uh, civil rights activist said, whose father told him, he says, you can never trust a communist. And that's really what this boils down to. We're dealing with, excuse me, a communist authoritarian country who has a very different view of how the world should work and it expects it to be at the center of it. So uh, that dovetails down to culture, business, legal, everything. So I mean, that's the real issue is, you know, they expect themselves to run the world. They expect to subjugate everybody else. And, and so we have to figure out from a finance economic perspective, that's the way, you know, I look at it as, is how do we, how does this come down to each one of us and uh, how do we deal with it? 
Well, let me ask you one question. They just, it's a fundamental paradigm shift in how they operate. They don't believe in the individual having rights. They believe that the party is all that, you know, they're the, everything's about the party, right? The communist party. And can you talk about that, that the change in paradigm, because people don't quite understand. So there, there's two parts to this. And I always want to delineate these and, and you guys will understand it. There's, there's very much the Chinese people and there's the Chinese government. And, and falling sort of in the middle of this is uh, 5,000 years of Chinese culture. And I was talking actually with Mike about this about a week ago that, you know, this marriage we have now between communism and the Chinese people and the Chinese culture is actually a much more perfect match of communism uh, than it was in any other country and because of the level of population, because of the 5,000 year history. So to go back to, you know, it's sort of authoritarian past. You have to remember that population determines everything uh, in that country when you think of, uh, and this is this is old data, maybe about 10 years old, but if you have 22% of the world's population, but you have 7% of the world's arable land, in other words, that's what you can grow food on, you've got a real problem, right? So if you go back for 5,000 years of history, it's always boiled down to a British uh, colonialist who, I'm paraphrasing badly, but he said, the Chinese people have only ever known two states. They're either uh, in a state of oppression, but they know where their next meal is coming from, at least for today, or they're in they uh, they're in a state of freedom, but they have no but they're going to starve. So they have two states, and that become that's because of the population food relationship. So they over five thousand years they've gotten used to, hey, we're going to eat today and eat tomorrow. We have to accept a certain level of you know, real civil oppression to a certain degree, very tough strictures and structures to make that happen because there's just too many people. So they had to accept that to a certain degree. Now you fast forward, here we are. Um, I, a, a good friend of mine uh, who's still, uh, he's married to a Shanghainese woman. He has friends in the South. I was talking to him last year about this and uh, in the middle of, you know, you know, at the end of the first year, full year of the pandemic, they know the government they have is oppressive. They know it's doing certain things to them. But if you're living in, you know, the, the coastal areas, if you're middle class and you have a great apartment, which they do have, they have great stuff. If you're living in that upper middle class, you give up certain things to get what you got and you're okay. They've made a bargain that way, right? Now it hit them very hard. As Mike said, it's, it, it, you know, they got hit in the face with a skillet, but it hit them very hard during the pandemic because the government did some really nasty things. Some really bad things, but they've made a bargain to deal with the fact that they've got so many people in this, you know, with, with this lack of food, and it's been there for five thousand years. So they're willing to accept it for those reasons. Well, and China has other things going on. The Communist Party is not what we think. It, I mean, they're they're doing live organ harvesting, and they're. I mean, they just don't value life like we do here. It's not a Christian valued country where life itself is valued you know i mean live organ harvesting and it's just right. incredible right so and it's it's funny you bring up the, the religious aspect of this um and i can go on a long rant about this but but won't but you know there's if you look at who their gods are in their sort of creation myth it's a pantheon of gods that are all about wealth attainment mm. and it gets back to that food and 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 chaos sort of relationship you know, 
you're not wealthy here. You want to be wealthy in the afterlife. So they're gods they, that they go to. You know, they're really about wealth attainment. So that means that when they, it, all, all creation myth in any country dovetails down into business, legal, and culture. We have broadly Judeo-Christian country. We have, therefore, we have a set of systems that are built on that. There, it is about wealth attainment. So, you know, everything else falls in line with that. You can embezzle so much there and there's never enough. You know, oh, you, can, you can, you know, embezzle 250 million remnant B, which is an unheard of amount of money in any country, but especially there. But then the next guy embezzles 350 million. So this does dovetails down into the people aspect of it, you know, the harvesting. They're always looking um, for this different level of wealth and what goes along with that. And sometimes, you know, you end up with things like organ harvesting, which is awful. Yeah, it's just terrible. So they did have a, a fallen gung which started taking over a huge part of their culture, which was which was very healthy, balanced, um, more what you know we're trying to strive to be as human beings. But that got persecuted and shut down by the Communist Party, and so people learned quickly that some negative lessons, didn't they? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, any, anything that challenges the state becomes a problem. And mm-hmm. so whether it's a religious organization, whether it's another sort of political movement or any sort of thing that causes challenge to the state, which would include social unrest. So this is why they're very big on any sort of riots or protests about anything economic in a specific municipality or city or, or province or something like that. Anything which challenges the state authority is, is immediately kiboshed. And in this yes. case, with Falun Gong, it was very much a religious one. Now, and I will tell you, uh, I happen to be Christian. And when I was in Shanghai in 97 and 98, uh, I went to uh, uh, a friend of mine had, you know, sort of a house church kind of, a, kind of event, had a dinner. We all went there. There was a mix. It was about 10 or 12 of us. There was a mix between uh, some you know, local Chinese and some Westerners. Well, he didn't do that again because he found out all the Chinese <laughs> All the local Chinese got followed on the way home and they didn't want to do it anymore. So he stopped doing it. So this is in 97, 98. Yeah. Well, that's when they started really cracking down on the Falun Gong and and that they were being persecuted. Well, uh, Rick, I want to go to you as a pilot uh, and you've, I know you're in the monetary, so I want to talk to you about that as well. But with the pilots, there are, is a lot of concern because so many pilots were forced to get the vaccine and People are worried with the clotting and the level going up in the air and the air pressure difference. It's all it's interacting, causing blood clots. And I mean, people are really concerned about that. Can you talk about that and how it's a danger kind of? I, I mean, I don't I, I, I have there isn't that is something that's not being covered by the mass media and is also not being covered really by the independent media of what that means. Well, um, yeah, blood clotting. So pilots are more susceptible to blood clotting because, well, we have to sit in the cockpit for hours on end. Uh, very, some airlines are short hop airlines. Others are long haul. You know, your, your majors like United Delta, American, those guys are going long distances oftentimes all the way across the country. So pilots sitting in the seat for four or five hours. We are more susceptible. Remember, a cabin altitude on a jet airliner goes up anywhere between 6,500 and 8,000 feet. Uh, so it's it's almost like while we're in that airplane, we're living in Colorado Springs, Colorado, or even out in western Colorado where elevations are up at 8,000 foot. 
hey, if you live out there all the time, that's not a big deal. But, you know, the majority of pilots live down at sea level. We do have to be careful for the long periods that we sit. We should always get up, walk around. That's why you do see pilots getting out, walking around the terminal, except during COVID where everybody had to wear the masks. Now, you know, most pilots were safe in their cockpits because you're not allowed to wear a mask in a cockpit. We wouldn't be able to get Don oxygen masks or anything like that. They wouldn't seal. So most pilots, I think, during COVID stuck around in their cockpits and didn't get up and walk around. Um, you know, Pam Popper constantly says, be careful about what you say. We don't know exactly what these vaccines are doing to people. We, you know, it's still, it's an unapproved, untested stage three trial gene therapy treatment. I mean, I mean that truly. These are experiments and they've told us when they started this two years ago or a year and a half ago that we wouldn't be done with this trial for another year and a half here till the end of 2023. So they're still trying to find out what these things are even going to do to us. Um as far as I, I'm, I'm supposed to jump off of here shortly to go over and listen to uh, U.S. Freedom Flyers. Uh, Josh uh, Yoder over there has finally somebody in the FAA is coming forward and saying, we've got to start talking about this. What are we going to do with these pilots who took these vaccines? Number one, these were uh, they're unapproved. They're experimental. Uh, nobody in the cockpit should have ever taken these or been forced to take these. Uh, many of them did because their jobs relied on it. And who wants to give up a $200,000, $300,000 a year job uh, because uh, you wouldn't take it? So there was going to be a bottom line for just about everybody. And well, we found out most of them actually said, I'll take the money and take the risk on the vaccine. Um, the FAA did not step in to stop this from uh, all the big airlines from doing this. And now I think they're in trouble and that they're going to have to backtrack, just like the CDC is backtracking on everything right now. The FAA, I think, is going to be forced to backtrack on. We're probably going to have to have everybody at least tested with D-dimer tests and uh, the right. troponin tests. Um, just to get a baseline for anybody who took these, let's, let's find out where you're at. Uh, at least because well, is it safe? Is it safe to get into an airplane? with pilots that have been vaccinated if you don't know where they're at. Yeah, and I don't want to start a panic. I'm, I'm just you, saying. You, yeah, you have two pilots up there, and the chance of having both conk out at the same time, those are pretty high odds. But if they're both vaccinated, again, it's all a giant experiment. Um, so, you know, they're, at my company, they were considering – a mandate, they never went through with it. And then fortunately, before they ever got to that point, the um, U.S. Supreme Court stepped in and said, okay, this is illegal for just the civilian population. So um, they they basically didn't force us at my company, but there were uh, hundreds of us who were prepared to step forward and say, not only no, but you're, I'm not just going to walk away from the job. You're going to have to fire me and give me a pink slip. Uh, so there are plenty at my company that did not take it because we weren't forced, but I look at a few of the major airlines and everyone out there probably already knows who those airlines are that yeah. did require vaccination. And I think at least two of those airlines got pretty darn close to getting 
with 100%. Let's face it, a couple of those people did quit or got laid off, but then got called back. But geez, the percentages were pretty small. It's less than 10% of their group. So anyhow- They still have have problems with being able to fly around the country because a lot of people are out sick and all sorts of things. Well, and this is the thing, CEOs, uh, of all of these airlines are not stepping forward and letting the unions know. The unions have difficulty trying to find out who is on sick leave and for what reasons. And again, we go back to the HIPAA rules. You know, why is somebody on sick leave? But what we can do is we anybody can pop onto the um, uh, what is it? The TSA travel website. You can just do TSA um, travel numbers. And you can pull up the database for 2019, 20, 21, and now 2022. It gives all of the numbers, and then you can grab all that and put it on an Excel spreadsheet and do the numbers. I do this about every other week or at least once a month, and I find that the airlines still are not back to even 85% on any given week mm-hmm. that they can produce what they did in, uh, before the whole COVID outbreak. So that tells me that they have a personnel issue. Some of that is due to they offered some benefit packages for guys to leave who are a little older, but that doesn't explain the the inability to actually make it 85%. Now they're blaming it on pilot shortages, but geez, a bunch of the airlines have stepped forward and up the pilot pay by 50%. So well, and also they isn't there less applicants coming in? There's less people flying right now, so not still not being able to service the need is quite interesting. Well, there was, or there was a lot of people we heard in the beginning of the summer, everybody wanted to go on vacation, and there were uh, a lot of backlogs going on in uh, May, June, July. Now, that's throttled back because inflation is starting to hit, yep. and people are now questioning, do we really want to spend the money uh, to go on that vacation or do we want to just hang around home? So, you know, it was the vaccine um, requirement that my company, they put out a couple memos that, hey, if this, uh, if the Biden administration comes along and mandates, which eventually they did, but our company got wind that, you know, there might be a Supreme Court case. My company didn't, but ultimately I said, listen, I've lost my church. I've lost a bunch of friends. I've been banned from going to some of my family events for this whole thing. Uh, It was time to start looking for a group. And like Mike, I found Pam Popper. Oh, she's in Central Ohio. I wonder where she's meeting. Sure enough, uh, there was some information on our website. So I went and checked it out and kind of laid low for a couple of months until finally I realized, you know, this is kind of my group. Um. So I go every every week that I can go, and about April, we all started complaining about inflation. Gas was up to $5 a gallon in the United States. Uh, unfortunately, uh, other places like California, uh, the, the West Coast, we're looking at 6 and $7 a gallon. I think out yeah. there it was pretty expensive. Uh, that was when I stepped forward. And I didn't ask Pam if I could give the class. I just asked if I could stand up and ask a few questions. And she offered it up. She allowed me to take the class for about 10 minutes. And I held up a a regular Hershey bar. And I said, you know, how much does anybody think this is worth? What do you think I paid for it today? And yeah, the average is somewhere between $1.50 and $2. Well, guess what? 
a U.S. silver dime at the time was worth about $1.75. It's actually worth $2 right now. Well, when I was a kid back in 1964, uh, a Hershey bar cost a dime back in the late 60s. Uh, gee, Hershey hadn't really changed the price if we were all still using silver as our money. And I also asked, you know, what is everybody paying for gas? And of course, in the Ohio, everybody's, everybody's grumbling $5. And I held up a silver quarter and I said, <laughs> did you realize that a silver quarter is worth $5? Effectively, if we were still using silver money, uh, we wouldn't have noticed a change. So, uh, you know, it would have been the price of the silver quarter. Our parents actually in the 1960s paid 30 cents a gallon. So my point to the class was, had you been saving in silver or gold, uh, you wouldn't have noticed the change in the price of fuel. It would have been the same all along. In fact, it's cheaper right now. Yes, I know it's it's down. I think I'm paying 379 here in Ohio right now. But even when it was $5 a gallon, it was still effectively 25 cents a gallon in the 1960s. Now, remember, in the 60s, it was 30 cents a gallon. So at that point, Mike saw me do that presentation. He comes up to me afterwards and says, well, hey, Pam actually wants to start this food finance and freedom class. Would you be interested in participating? I said, well, absolutely. So that's kind of where we've taken off. And in the last couple of uh, months, we've gone through the history of money, going at, back to find out, you know, what is money? Why was it invented? 